And the word I have today is life-changing, and I don't say it lightly. It's life-changing. Because I want you to understand something about God that maybe you never have understood before. Wonderful Lord we have. Wonderful Savior. All right. I want to talk about <clears throat> the representative of our covenant. Now lift your hands to heaven with me. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray and I believe you're going to reveal this truth. You're going to reveal it to their hearts. Every detail, every truth in detail to your people. Give them a heart to receive it and a mind to understand it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now, this teaching on Thursday, Larry, I want you to go through it with the students. Yeah. Because I want you to understand the heart of the covenant God made with us. Very important you understand the heart of the covenant we have made with God and He made with us. Now, I want you to notice one word in the Scripture we've never fully understood, mercy. That word mercy is the Hebrew word chesed. And the word chesed, uh, it means steadfast love. It means covenant love. It means unfailing love and more. This word chesed, which we translate in English as mercy, it, it really describes the relationship of the covenant partners, the relationship of the covenant partners. So, it's really the covenant in action. Now, we are in a covenant with God. What we don't understand is there's tremendous power called chesed that keeps it. I'll explain that in just a moment. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and chesed, mercy. He keeps covenant and chesed, translated in this verse as mercy, with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Notice the power of this verse. Know that the Lord is faithful, who keeps covenant and chesed, mercy, 
with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, means eternal. So, our very existence, not only as human beings, but as believers, arises from one word, chesed, mercy. Why? Well, because God is chesed. God is covenant love. And he is the heart of chesed. He's the heart of covenant love. Which means when, when we break it, which we have, he still reaches out after the one that he made a covenant with. There's a powerful truth in Isaiah 54 about this. And I pray the Lord tonight is going to really enable you to grasp this. I'm going to read verse 8 and verse 10. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting chesed, that word kindness, comes from chesed, loving kindness. Will I have mercy on thee, chesed on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Wait. In a little wrath, I hid my face for a moment only, but with everlasting chesed, with everlasting mercy, that word kindness and Mercy come from the same family of words, but it all means chesed, mercy, loving kindness, steadfast love. Said the Lord, thy Redeemer. For the mountains, verse 10, for the mountains shall depart, and the hills will be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath chesed on thee, mercy on thee. There's another great portion that we, well, we sang it tonight. Let's go to Lamentations for a minute. And this is really important because when you read Lamentations, let's look at chapter 3 and verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies, chesed, that were not destroyed, consumed, because His compassions fail not. This word compassion is a very strong word. Tender love, great tender love, pity, mercy in action, more than that. 
It's, the, it's of the Lord's chesed that were not consumed because His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And that word faithfulness comes from the same family, Amunah. That's where we get the word amen from. Stability, steadfastness, truth, verily, security. That's what it means and a whole lot more. Now, when King David sinned with Bathsheba, he knew that under the law he's to die. Not only because he slept with Bathsheba, but he planned her husband's murder, his death. So David knew under the law, I should die. But he went beyond the law. He crossed over and appealed to God's chesed, mercy. So the first thing he said in Psalm 51:1, have chesed on me, O Lord. I'm not asking for justice, then I'm dead. I'm asking for mercy. So when you read Psalm 51.1, have chesed upon me, have mercy upon me, Lord, because he understood. The law says you die, but mercy canceled that. So mercy is the heart of the covenant, which is sought in Deuteronomy. And God Almighty freely chose to save you. No demand was placed on Him. No demand in Him. There was no incompleteness within Him that He needed humans to fill it. God did not need you for any need He had. He, the all-fulfilled one, chose to save you. Why? Well, because of pure love. That's all. Out of pure love. God who is complete in himself. Think about that. He chose to save us in pure love. And that word chesed means unconditional love. Love in action. Tender love. Wow. Now, there's something powerful. Get your instruments there because you don't know when I'll feel the wind. So you just... Go there. In Luke chapter 1, um, Mary understood this. Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, understood something about chesed, and she said in Luke 172, to perform the mercy promised our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, 
the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. I found something so remarkable today as I'm reading this portion. I read, I read a portion we used to sing when I got saved. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Just play it gently behind me. Not too much piano, maybe high keys will do, but not more than that. And you, 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 you sometimes it, 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 it comes back. So now Elizabeth is talking to Mary. She says, blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he, that, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his chesed, in the Greek word mercy, goes back to the same translation of the Hebrew. His, his mercy in action, his love in action. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. But watch what, what she says here. He hath helped, old word here in King James, Holpen, helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to seed forever. And I read that, I said, Mary here is declaring Jesus is the ultimate, ultimate mercy of God. He is the covenant, because she said it in these words. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. He did not forget his mercy promised our fathers. His mercy is on them from generation to generation. Includes us. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers to ever and his seed forever. And she understood the baby in my womb is the ultimate loving kindness of God. He is the keeping. He is the doing. He's the keeping. He's the doing. He's the showing of God's chesed. Jesus, the chesed of God in the flesh. Jesus, the steadfast, unchangeable, eternal mercy of God, became a baby. Oh. So,
Thank you, gentlemen. God had a radical agenda of love here. Think about this, that he reached to every man, every woman, to reconcile us to himself, to, to return us, to bring us back to the reason we were created in the first place. So what did he do? How, how did God achieve this amazing salvation we're all a part of because of his mercy? And, and he achieved it without our help. We did nothing to find him. He found us. We did not bring ourselves into salvation. He saved us and keeps us in salvation. So all this about I found God is not biblical. I saw a man with a t-shirt that said, keep the faith. I said, that's not biblical. You don't keep the faith. The faith keeps you. But we say things because they sound good. They sound good. You could not have found God if you went to Tibet. You could not have found him if you went to the far distant galaxies. How can you? How can dust find God? No, he found you. And he reached out to you in mercy. And he brought you to himself in mercy and saved your soul. And that mercy keeps you, will never let go of you. So when you walk away, he reaches out to you because he said it's forever. It's everlasting mercy. When God created Adam, Adam fell into sin later. Never saying, I'm sorry. Never saying, forgive me. Not one time. Didn't even say, I repent. He said, it's your fault. Yet God did not break his covenant. Because he made him in covenant. And promised redemption to a man who did not even repent. Never said, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Never said, Deliver me. So it's your fault. You gave me that woman. Didn't change God's promise. Didn't change it. For, not, not even for a second. That God would still come and offer the man redemption by covering him with the skin of an animal 
and revealing the power of the cross. So, how did he, how did God do it? Because human beings cannot keep the agreement and the covenant. Not one of us can. Israel tried and failed. So God now says, all right, I'm going to do it without their help. So Israel failed. Adam failed before that. Think about what Israel, how they rejected God. I mean, would you reject a God who spoke to you audibly? The whole nation heard him say, I am the Lord thy God. Gave them the Ten Commandments audibly. I asked one of our guys tonight in the car, I said, do you know the Ten Commandments by heart? No. I said, well, well quite simple. I'll give them to you. Just remember them. He said, I will. No other gods before me. No graven images. Don't bow to them. Don't take my name in vain. Don't pollute the Sabbath. Honor your mom and dad. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. And don't be greedy. That's all ten of them right there. Paraphrased by Benny Hinn. <laughs> but imagine God saying that to a whole nation. Loud voice. Loud trumpets. They shook. They, 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 they said to Moses, don't ever let that happen again. Next time you talk to us. And God said, that's exactly what I have planned. Because I'm putting my word in a womb of a woman. And I'll talk to the nation through that man. Jesus, the Son of God. And that is God's response to, we don't want to hear his voice. He said, fine, his voice will become flesh. Talk to you. And Moses said, the Lord will raise a prophet like unto me. His voice you will hear. How did God accomplish this amazing rejection by a, a, a whole nation? who put gods on every corner, every rooftop, burnt incense to Baal and other gods, killing their babies, sacrificing the lives of their children to a false god, putting images of false devils in the temple, in the holy place, in the holy of holies, so much so, they took the Ark of the Covenant out because of all those idols, and Josiah had to bring it back. Don't you read your Bibles? King Josiah brought the Ark back, meaning they took it out because of the filth in there. He was one of the last kings of Israel. So we know the Ark didn't go down to Egypt or Babylon because Josiah still said, bring it back, and they did. 
Where's the ark now? In heaven, Revelation 11. Stop looking for it. Don't you believe one guy who says, I'm looking for the ark. Please, enough of that. They're all after your money, so stop. The ark is in heaven, so stop looking for it. You won't find it. Haven't you read Revelation? Come on, wake up. So, well, that's the heavenly ark. It doesn't say that. It says there was the ark in the temple. Finished of the story. Shut the chapter down. But God Almighty, how did he do it when the nation rejected him? All those false gods they worshipped and they denied the living God. He said, all right. I'm going to do something so glorious. And so, he promised a new covenant. Since they broke the first one and worshipped other gods who are no gods at all. To this day, people worship that strange demonic stuff out there. One in seven men read the horoscope in America. One in four women every day. Every day. They read the horoscope. What is that? Demonic. Yeah, that's what it is. You ladies that like to buy those gossip magazines, every one of them has what? The horoscope. What are you doing buying it? To bring devils in your bedroom and that's why you're all losing your head, some of you? I told you I lost my, f my filter. It's, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if you don't like me, I'm too old to care. <laughs> if you like me, God will bless you. Thank God, love you all. I'm about to say shalom. I'm going to go home. You all enjoy your world and all the troubles. I'm gone. When Jesus says, come home, I'm going to say, ready to go, Lord. I'm not going to stick around here and sit in some old folks' home staring at a wall. <laughs> not me, brother, not me. No, no, no. When I'm done preaching, the Lord says, you're done, I'm gone. Now, the thing is this. Oh, Jesus is so precious. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going I'm to show you this amazing thing God did. Are you still enjoying this? Well, if you're not, I don't care. I'm enjoying it. Nobody enjoys my teaching more than me. Because it's God's Word. And I'm in love with God's Word. Hebrews 6.13 has something powerful to say about what God did. This is something so radical. He said, so when God, I'm reading verse 13, Hebrews 6. When God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee. Wow, this is awesome. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now watch what it says here. For men verily swear by the greater an oath of for confirmation is to them the end of all strife. All conflict comes to an end 
when there's an oath, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, meaning you and I, the immutability of his counsel. And that word means the unchangeableness. It cannot change. Confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, dear God it is, both sure and steadfast, which enters into that within the veil, whither the forerunner, that's the Son of God, Jesus, for us, entered even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, here, here's what, what I just read. So, God said, all right. A covenant cannot be a covenant unless there's two representatives. So God could not make it with Israel to represent humanity. So he said, no, I have a much better idea. I will become a man and make it with myself. Since they broke it, I will just become flesh. I will be the representative of humanity. And I will make the covenant with myself. That's what we just read. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. In blessing I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply. But who was he speaking to? He was speaking to the representative. Who is that representative of the covenant? His name is Jesus. He became the covenant. He became the representative of humanity. And God the Father made that covenant with his Son, because God said, I cannot trust men. I cannot trust humanity. I will become that man. And I will make that covenant with myself, by myself. And now it is so unchangeable. Why? Number one, it is an oath. God made an oath with himself. You know what that means? It means if God breaks it, he ceases to exist. If God breaks it, if the Father or the Son breaks it, he will cease to be God. It will destroy God, which is impossible, of course. That's why it says immutable, unchangeable, impossible, and God cannot lie. By two unchangeable, mighty things, that covenant cannot be shaken. Why? Number one, he made an oath with himself. Number two, he cannot lie to himself. So when he said, in blessing I will bless thee, he was talking to the representative. He was talking to his son. 
In multiplying, I will multiply thee. You'll possess the gates of the enemies. You go back to Genesis. That's what God said. When Abraham offered Isaac, God gave him that promise. He said, your seed, Messiah, will possess the gates of the devil and destroy him. Your seed, coming out of your seed, Messiah. And in Hebrews, it gives us the full story that he, Jesus, is that covenant. So, it cannot be broken by the human side because the human being who made it is not, hear this, is not a man with sin. He is the perfect man, the only perfect man. No, no, Adam was not a real man. I cannot identify with a man who was never born as a baby. I cannot identify with a man who did not have any lineage, who just shows up on the scene with a big brain on him. How can you identify with Adam when Adam did not even know what it was like to have a mom and a, and a dad to be dependent on? He just showed up, fully grown, fully wise. I cannot identify with that. To be a real man, you must have what? Number one, parents. Two, lineage. Three, history. Meaning born and die. What do you see on graves? Born here, dead here. That means I'm human. All human beings have two, have two things in common. Born and die. Everyone will be born and die. Adam was not born. So he's not really a real human. We say he was, but was he? He wasn't born. He, of course he died, but on his grave it didn't say what date he was born. Haha. <laughs> But Jesus was born and was dependent on a family. Imagine God being dependent on a mommy to keep him and a daddy to make sure he's fed. So he had to get a job. Became helpless, God Almighty, so we can identify with him. Adam did not learn anything. Did he go to some school or some place and learn anything? No. But Jesus, the Bible says, learned obedience. He grew in knowledge and wisdom, it says. He grew. Adam didn't grow. He just showed up with it. I cannot identify with Adam, but I can with Jesus. That's the real man. The perfect man. Job was looking for that. He made an amazing statement one day in Job 9. He says, for he's not a man, meaning God, he's not a man that I am as I am, that I should answer him, or we should come together in court. 
Read there, Job 9, 32. It's amazing. He says, I'm not God. He's not a man that we come together in some court. Neither is there any days man, any mediator, anyone between us that will lay his hands on us both, meaning someone who can answer for God and answer for man at the same time. Job was looking for a mediator. Amazing words. He said, God is not a man that I can talk to him. God is not a man that I can understand him. There's no mediator between us that can put his hands on both of us so we can understand each other. And Jesus came. Without Jesus, men will worship devils. That's the way it is. And then I read another verse. Oh, that was so powerful. If you keep reading that amazing chapter, it says, <laughs> because there was no man between them, he says, let him take his rod now away from me. Once I find that man that can st stand between God and I, then the rod of God will leave me, and I will not fear him and be terrified by him. In other words, he'll not destroy me, and then I can talk to him straight. When I find that man in between, I can talk straight to him. Wow. What a powerful covenant. So, for such a covenant to take place, we need a human being to represent every one of us. And the gospel, saints, in the gospels, God announces to the world, the man is here. The covenant man is here. And now, God the Father, in this great mercy, sends his son who didn't cease to be God who took upon himself our humanity in becoming flesh, and now we have a mediator between the God of heaven and ourselves. And the Bible states something powerful. In Hebrews 8, 6, in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 1 John 2, 1, we have a mediator, a high priest, who takes our place in glory. You see verse after verse, Hebrews 8, 6, 9, 15, 12, 24, but one of the most amazing is Jesus is the covenant man. Wow. So, I want to say something here. This representative of God, who's the Son of God, and we the human race, meet in one person, Jesus Christ. Wait, wait, you missed what I said. The representative of the covenant and humanity now meets in the same person. He and us 
became one. How? He walked into our history when he died. We walked into his history when he rose. Don't miss that. He walked into our history to deliver us from the old life. And when Jesus said, it is finished, way more was finished than most people know. At that moment, we were freed from the old man, from Adam, from the sin, and the part of sin that came through that man. Now we died to the old man. We died to sin. And that happened when Jesus died. And when he rose, we entered into his history. And we became the new creation. And the new man in Christ Jesus. He cancels our history, gives us his history. But here's something amazing. When he cancels our history and we walk into his history, we walk into his accomplishments. So when he died, we die. When he rose, we rose. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And now the Bible says something powerful. God Almighty joins himself to us in chesed to never leave us. We are inseparable. And all the blessings of the covenant become ours. Every promise made, you can't miss this. Every promise made to Abraham was made to the seed in him. Every promise in the Word of God was made to the seed. The Messiah. How often we've messed things up, haven't we? I had a talk with Paul Crouch one day, and he was not too happy when I said, Psalm 23 has nothing to do with you. Psalm 91 has nothing to do with you. And he didn't like it. I said, he that dwelleth is not us, it's Messiah. He's the only one who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I said, even the devil knew that when he tempted the Lord and said, it is written, he will give his angels, he'll give his angels charge over you. Because Paul didn't like that part at all because he said, those angels have been sent to me. I said, no, they were promised to Jesus only, even the devil knew that. 
He said, where do I fit? I said, when you're in him. Hey. When you're in him, all the angels belong to you too. When you're in him, all the promises become your promises. When you're in him, he that dwelleth, you're dwelling in him now. When you're in him, all the promises. And what does it say there in 2 Corinthians 1.20? All the promises are in him. Yea and amen. Only in him. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Did you walk through the valley? No, he did. And you, in him, that valley will not touch you. Only in him. You go through that valley by yourself, you're dead. He prepareth a table before me. Who's me? Messiah. In the presence of my enemies. In other words, they cannot come near. I sit and have a meal victoriously while they're looking defeated. And the church in him sits at that table. You can't receive one promise from God, not even healing, not even deliverance, not even joy, nothing, unless you're in Christ. In him, all the promises become your promises. He's the representative, our representative. God, the Father, represents the divine, heaven. God, the Son, represents humanity, earth, and everyone who comes in him, joins himself to him, becomes a part of the covenant. And now he, the covenant man, oh, I don't think you precious saints have the time for me to, to explain Isaiah 49, but maybe just one or two chapter, uh, one or two verses in it. The whole chapter is the Messiah. Listen to me, O Isles. Hearken to me, you people. The Lord has called me from my mother's womb. That's Mary. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. He did. He said to me, you're my servant, Israel. And that Israel is Messiah. Because later it says, and now saith the Lord, verse 5, that formed thee from the womb, to be his servant, to bring Israel again. Well, he can't be Israel if he's bringing Israel. So the Israel earlier is Messiah, prince. That's what it means. So he says, I formed you from the womb to be my servant, to bring Jacob again, Though Israel be not gathered, yet I will be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. That's Messiah speaking. And God says to the Son, Is it a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved of Israel? And I will give you for a light to the Gentiles, that you, my God, I can shout, that you might be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Wow. And then he makes this amazing statement. Verse 8, Thus says the Lord... In an acceptable time, I've heard you. In a day of salvation, I've helped you. And I will preserve you and give you for a covenant of the people. You are the covenant to establish the earth, 
that you will say to the prisoners, come forth, bring them out of darkness into light. You will cause them not to hunger or thirst. You will not allow the heat or the sun to smite them. For he that has chesed on them, mercy shall lead them even to springs of water, shall he guide them. Amazing God, dear God. Now all of you, every one of you, just say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've given to me in that glorious covenant. Let your mercy cover my life, my future. Oh, Lord, again, I commit my life. I surrender all my heart, my being, my soul, my body as a living sacrifice. In these last days, use me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I yield myself to you. Transform me into your glorious image day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And on that day, as I stand before your throne, I will hear you say, well done. Now, Lord God, you're able to keep me from falling and to present me blameless on that glorious day with joy I will give you the glory forever serving you loving you worshiping you thank you Lord for this great salvation Amen I'm going to ask you to give. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. There's two things we're doing now that are very exciting. And I'm going to ask all of you around the world to participate in something amazing. If you, if you saw today's uh, or Sunday, Sunday's program, we are now running a lot of what we did in OCC. <laughs> and one of the things we did years ago that ran on Sunday is a beautiful presentation of healing from all over Israel where we took our singers from the church. These were church days in Orlando. And I taught on healing. And what we decided to do when we, when I moved from California recently to Florida, and we had to take all the old tapes that were at the studio in Cali, we had literally hundreds of thousands of hours of ministry to the, to the beginning. We're talking back in the early 70s. But sadly, 
the tapes were kind of going bad. You know, in time, humidity, all that can wear them out. But thank God, right on time, we began to put them into the new form and digitize. Now, thank God for Jeff Pittman years ago who began doing some of them. Right here in Dallas, in our office building, there are big rooms. We filled truckloads, truckloads of tapes from California. Now, imagine every This Is Your Day program from the start. Before that, every OCC program from the start. Before that, everyone from Canada, going back to Canada. And everything in between, from interviews with presidents and prime ministers to historic moments in OCC. For example, when Jimmy Swaggart met Oral Roberts for the, for the very first time, was on our platform. That's history. And the many things that took place when uh, Dr. Bill Bright preached on, Sunday, on one Sunday night, and, and the greats of you name them, they came. So I said, listen, we cannot lose those tapes. I'm almost 70. My children were too small to remember. My grandchildren have no idea. The history is there. And now we are digitizing. We're taking every tape and renewing it to last another 100 years. And I mean 100 years, maybe even more. Because of the technology, we are now doing it, and we're putting some of it on Sunday on social media. You can see it. In fact, if you go back and see what we did this last Sunday, that tape was almost gone. Gone. And now it's been resurrected. It's going to cost us at least half a million dollars to just do the OCC tapes. Just OCC tapes. Now, some of you have no clue what I mean by OCC. Some of the greatest preaching, teaching you'll ever hear. That's why the crowds came. The greatest Bible teachers that came, the greatest evangelists, you name them, they came. Most of them are in heaven. We cannot lose it. We have to finish the job. So tonight I'm asking everyone to participate. That's number one, because every day more tapes can be ruined. Our partners gave in this beautiful last conference we had recently, but we need more because now we are finding more tapes we did not even know we had. So Jeff Pittman, God bless him, wrote everything down on paper, but some of them we, we could not find. It's just piles and piles of boxes everywhere. Well, we are finding treasures, and I mean treasures in those boxes. Wouldn't it be wonderful for our children's children to be able to see those from the crusades around the world? The tapes of India began to wear off. Seven million people attended that crusade. We can't allow those tapes to be lost because of whatever, humidity or this or that. We can renew them. That they can last a lot longer. So would you tonight give so the gospel can continue to go through those amazing tapes with the, all the new stuff they can do today? 
Number two, prayer center in Jerusalem. That I don't want to focus on all tonight. But some of you may want to designate this for the prayer center. Now, we're going to go all out in a few months for it. All out. So tonight we're talking to this wonderful man, Larry, here, to help us with this because he's gifted. He knows what he's doing, too. Because I believe God Almighty. And I told him earlier today, I said, there's two projects. Tapes, Jerusalem. In that order. Because the tapes, every day that we wait, more can be ruined. We got to move fast, quick, to rescue those tapes from going bad where we can no longer restore them. Father, speak to your people. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, speak to them tonight. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, as they give for these amazing projects, you'll bless them, Lord. You'll multiply the seed, Lord. You'll protect them, Lord, and their future financially, in Jesus' name. And Lord, again, I'm rejoicing in faith, for I see that prayer center in Jerusalem. Reality, very soon. Lord, I am asking you, it will happen before the end of the year. Somebody say amen. Say, Father, before the end of the year, we'll see it reality. Amen. All right, all of you on social media, you can give. You can simply go to the platform. Thank you, Jim. To the platform you are watching us on, you can go to our website, benin.org, or text. The quickest is to text. Even you sweet people can do the same thing tonight. BHM45777. That's it. It goes right to the account. BHM, Benny Hinn Ministries. Four, five, and then three sevens. How simple is that? And then God will bless you. 